Hello and welcome to Making Sense of Automation, a podcast discussing challenges and resources in the world of automated technology. My name is Jonathan Ott, Digital Marketing Specialist with BEA, and I'm excited to introduce our second episode, Microwave Technology and Automatic Doors. BEA's own Jeff Dunham, Codes and Standards Manager, and Josh Emery, Inside Sales Rep, will be our hosts for today's interview. Technology varies in sensing automation, from infrared to microwave to laser-based time of flight. It can be challenging to keep up with the nuances and ideal applications for each. Microwave motion technology is commonly used in food distribution, car dealerships, and pharmaceutical clean rooms, to name a few. Join us and our guest, Jim Cavers, as we discuss how to train employees and combat interferences of microwave motion technology. Jim, thanks for uh, attending today. Appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day at Star Equipment. Uh, I know there's probably a lot of people that want your services right now. So uh, we have a couple questions for you, Josh and I do. Um, you know, how many, for starters, in your, your business at Star Equipment, how many years have you been involved with this, the high-speed door and overhead door, commercial overhead door industry? How many years approximately? Um, Star Equipment. So I've been at Star Equipment 18 years. And the whole time I've been at Star Equipment, it's been the full 18 years we've been doing the high-speed doors. Um, Star Equipment has been doing about 24 years. Um, we don't do too much with overhead door. We're starting to get more into the overhead door. Um, focusing more on uh, high-speed doors. We are a ride tech dealer. So we do the ride tech, you know, whether it's a, it's a fabric door inside a facility, maybe a cooler or a freezer door. Um, and then... Um, some of the secure spiral product. And we, we do a ton of fast seals around here too, which is a large exterior fabric door. Um, and I just want to note too, we are, we are part of Miner. We're doing business at Star Equipment. So we have been acquired by Miner uh, October of last year. So uh, just a year we've been with the Miner, um, under the Miner umbrella. So Jim, you said something that caused me to think is, is the term uh, overhead door or commercial overhead door. I know those are terms we use in UL325. Is that often misapplied? You know, you listed some types of doors like your right tech, your, you know, maybe your high speed doors or industrial doors. Is there a common industry slang that we go by? Um, I, I guess way to put it into perspective is, is just a standard door is what we would call a sectional door. And when you start talking a Rytec or a high speed door, that slang you're talking about is more a door designed for a specific purpose. Um, when we say speed, it's, it's, it's not only speed, it's also high cycle. So it's, it's a door that's been designed for a lot of traffic. Um, most important for people to open up fast and close behind them automatically is real typical. Uh, to hold temperatures, uh, especially in a cooler, freezer application. Um, we do a ton at auto dealerships and, and it's a really big deal to get that open in time, um, automatically close behind somebody to um, just be an energy efficient product, but, but definitely a specialty type product. And a lot of those fabric doors too, uh, even though we don't want people to hit them, <laughs> they, they, they take a hit a little bit better um, than a lot of products out there. Gotcha. Thanks. Unlike the sectional door, the speed and the cycle, it's not even in the same league. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks. Um, so what would you say, thinking of the industry you're in, what do you like most about the industry you're in? I really like the versatility. Um, and um, 
you know, we, we do uh, not only high speed doors, we do loading dock equipment, we do the really large fans. So material handling is, uh, is what you'd call our business segment. Um, what I like is the versatility. It, it's, uh, it's amazing how the equipment has changed over the past 18 years. And um, I've been service manager for probably 12 of those years and um, new stuff every week, new things that uh, they're really getting technologies getting into the products. And when I say the products, not only are we talking about like the high speed door side, but the loading dock side too, just, just the PLC technology and um, needing to use your laptop out in the field more custom prints and things for, for doors and uh, doors and dock. Um, a big thing, a big push is safety. So safety at the loading dock might mean uh, uh, interlocking a restraint with the dock level or with the door. So safety is pushing a lot of it. Um, and then we start talking sensors. Well, sensors um, really do play into what we got going on. And I've used BA sensors, not only on high-speed doors and overhead doors, I've used them to warn people that a forklift is too high. I've used them at loading dock areas outside a loading dock to just let them know simply that a truck's at the loading dock. Um, we're pretty good at star equipment about thinking outside the box. It's my job as a service manager to uh, not have all of our eggs in one basket. So uh, we, we work really hard at diversity and diversifying our business, right? So we're always using sensors and unique and different applications. And if somebody comes to us with a challenge, we say, yes, it's possible. Different items have different price tags, but um, there's always a solution nowadays. It, it's pretty inexpensive to do. Uh, we do a lot of PLC stuff in a lot of our things, and, and we'll probably get into it later. And I can share some unique ways I've used uh, some microwave sensors in our business. too. So, so uh, Jim, you said a, a minute or so ago, products. So what what would you like to see enhancements or improvement with products in your industry? Can you think of you, you, I think you were maybe touching on some of those, but you might've held back a little bit. Well, I, I'm a big fan of the wide scan. That's, that's my, that's my go-to. Um, but you know, the, the wide scan, a lot of times it, it, uh, it's a little bit higher price tag device, which isn't the end of the world, but when you start getting into power supplies and um, it's a little bit more, um, you need to be a little more tech savvy to install something like that. Um, I think the challenge is a lot of times is you need to really educate people on what's out there and, and what works. Sure. So, so, so thinking of microwave or Doppler radar, what type of challenges or maybe how do you educate your own people on that type of, you know, that type of product, knowing, knowing what it can do? Um, I think, you know, we auto dealerships are a big deal for us. So something that we, and you guys at BA can tell me if I'm wrong or not. Um, everybody knows the, the, the Falcon is the one that I use more than anything. It's our definitely our number one device here at Star Equipment that we use on, on more doors than anything. You know, we just want the door to automatically open. Um, the, the Falcon does a really good job of, um, did, you know, determining if it's a vehicle or a person. So that's a really big thing in, in, in our world. We don't want false activation with the door. We're trying to, we're installing a door, right, to, to keep out heat or to keep the heat in or to keep the, or keep the heat out if it's the summertime. So we need that door to, to open automatically and close automatically and do it in an efficient manner. We want it to open when, it, when we want it to open and close when we want it to close and not do any false trips. 
Um, so reliability is a big factor for for activation. Yep, and, and, and the Falcon's a real consistent device too. You know, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of things that, that play into that environment of how you're hooking up that device, you know, the tilt angle, the mounting location, uh, things like that. Um, so there is a little bit of a trial and error period as you get more experience with the device, it gets pretty easy to do um, that I'll touch on maybe a little bit later when, when we talk maybe more about the um, specific applications, but something that we do a lot too, is I know um, the specs of each device, whether it's a Falcon or a Falcon XL, which uh, is extra low, which uh, is kind of confusing to a lot of our sales reps too, to explain that little tidbit, but um, we usually always do the regular Falcon. And like I tell our sales guys, um, we don't need to go jam to jam to pick up a car. We need to be in the middle of the door. And the challenge that we have from time to time, especially it's real common at a car dealership to have three doors that are a couple feet apart and that's their interlane for their service drive. Um, we don't want them to pull up to the center door and all three doors open, right? So right. we usually like to use the standard Falcon. We have more challenges with keeping that zone smaller than making it wide. So I would recommend if you're doing an application where you just want a door to open, I kind of like the standard Falcon just for that reason. I don't think you need to get so wide. I think people like to think we need to go this wide or we need to follow that. And you guys might not like me for saying it, but I like that Falcon with the narrow zone. I just, I don't want to pick up too much stuff is what I'm always trying to do with the Falcon. Sure, you're right. You don't have to cover the entire 12 or 14 foot. A, a car is, what is a car? Six feet maybe in width. Uh, and, you know, maybe the other thing to consider is your, your mounting height. You know, the lower you mount the, the, the Falcon, the smaller the, the, the circle or the zone you're going to get. So mm -hmm. you have to kind of consider that uh, as well. So and, you, and, you, to your, and to your point, Jeff, too, if, if, uh, if a car's, you know, six, seven, eight feet wide and you have a 12-foot opening, it's always going through the middle of the door. Yeah. You do the math. You we know, hope. It's always going through the middle. So we right. just got to aim for the middle. Um, a, a big deal, too, is always, um, I know guys like to put it off to the side. You don't get the response as good back to the sensor. Um, we always, unless it's, an, it, it's a sectional door that uh, has uh, the door getting in its way, we always go to the center of the door. It just, it's easier to pick up things that you want to pick up. And it's most importantly, easier to reject things when it's mounted in the correct spot. And that's the, the actual intent to do it exactly that. The, the, the yeah. video we showed earlier of the person walking toward, that is walking directly toward the sensor. If, if a vehicle is approaching from the side, it's not walking to or not driving toward the sensor. Therefore, the discrimination or rejection that you might normally see, it's going to be erratic, not perform that way as well. So a question that I got, Jim, in your in your in your wanderings at work and so forth, do you hear guys in the fields, what do they call motion sensor, Doppler, microwave? Is there other slang or terms that they might refer to that sensor? I'll, I'll tip you off. One common word we hear is I. I it's an I. Do you do you hear anything like that? Or or Oh, maybe from time to time. I usually hear Falcon or motion sensor. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Nothing strange or uh, different terminologies, different parts of the country we know have different terminologies for the same product. And it's just interesting uh, to hear from someone in the field like yourself. So, 
Yeah, I don't know if uh, yeah, and I have heard. I, I don't know of anything else. No, off the top of my head, no. Okay, well, good. What, uh, Jim? What are the most? If you can think of your industry with you know thinking of microwave sensors, activation sensors, what would be the most common application you come across? Um, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what you're saying, but you, are you saying like um, a car dealership versus an apartment building versus? Uh... So what? Or what application would you use the microwave sensor, the Falcon, the most often? I, I, you probably said the two right there, uh, like apartment building and a an auto dealership, maybe. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. So, um, the Falcon works really good when you have a dedicated lane coming at the device. You know, um, <clears throat> I might shy away from the Falcon a little bit um, if you have a lot of cross traffic. Now there are some filters in there, but typically if I have a lot of cross traffic, I might talk about a different device. Uh, it gets time, it gets tough to do the rejection modes. Um, there again, where we, um, where, where we see issues is that when we just have a ton of traffic going really fast next to doors. Um, a lot of these places, um, I'll go back to car dealerships, they got a lot of cars and they got tight areas where they have cars parked everywhere. <laughs> so they can't maybe take that big swing around the door, they kind of drive in front of it. Now it performs well, but um, those customers are typically real picky too. They don't want to, you're going to get a false trip every once in a while. Sure. You just are, it's just the way the technology works. And you can dial them in really close and still have a problem every once in a while, once, maybe twice a day. Sure. So some maybe people say that's unacceptable. Sure. But, so maybe you're going to look for some other technology or something. You can be very crisp and define a, a, an area for, for those picky uh, applications. So, okay, well, good. So interesting. How about uh, still keeping, uh, keeping our, our, our train of thought with microwave motion sensors? What would be maybe some of the most interesting or maybe fun or unique uh, application you may have used or or exploited microwave sensors for a certain application okay i got a couple off the top of my head so we had uh an apartment building where we had a Ritex spiral door for security and they had uh, they had an uh, i would like to say cold parking area not a heated parking area and then that that unheated parking area went into a heated area and it went up a bit went up a large ramp okay well right in front of that door in the cold area on the left side of the door is where people would leave the apartment complex and they would walk with a crosswalk in front of that door and they would walk into the workout center a lot of foot traffic through there well there's a lot of cars going really fast not so much uh, coming from the cold area into the heated area because you can see the people and you can see what's going on but coming down that ramp uh, tenants would have the tendency to go really fast on that ramp and also the door would open and you're walking by and it would surprise people there were some near misses there so what we ended up doing um, is um, at the top of the ramp we installed a falcon okay so we'd see the car right away okay we want to give people as much warning as possible this ramp was probably 75 feet long Okay. Then we built a sign and something that's, that's uh, really unique that you can do nowadays is you have a good sign guy, you can get a company's logo, what have you, they can superimpose it onto a sign. 
we did that. We superimposed it onto a sign. We made the sign uh, adjacent to the crosswalk so you can see it. We embedded a couple uh, banner K90 daylight visible LEDs right into the sign with a little bit of verbiage that says, you know, car approaching when, when yellow, right? Mm -hmm. We had a flashing yellow. And as the car would go into the motion sensor, it would flash this light, real simple, right? The challenge there is, well, how do you have that light? You don't want them to drive into the sensor. It flashes yellow and then they're out of the sensor, right? <laughs> what was really cool about the Falcon is we have the ability, without utilizing a timer or anything, we're able to hold that contact for 10 seconds. So we put it up to the max. We hold that contact. After it stops seeing motion, it will keep that contact closed. Something that's very important to note, too, whenever I utilize a Falcon into a unique um, application, um, and this is something I talk about all the time with all BA's devices, BA does a really tremendous job of giving you a dry contact. It saves me a lot of time and work. There's a lot of stuff when I'm integrating in where I want to steal power from this, but I want to control that. So the way to do that is use an isolation relay, right? Well, with BA, you already have that relay kind of built in and you have the normally closed and normally open functionality. So that's something I use, use on, a, on a regular basis to do that. That's a great so, point. You can do two things at the same time, one input and you can split it and do two, two different things if you want to using the same yeah. common, yeah. Yeah, and, and eliminate another relay. It's already built in. And uh, from what I've seen over the years, um, I really haven't had any problems with the, the relays in the, in the device at all. You know, it hasn't been a problem for me. Uh, another unique application, uh, I think it's a lead I got probably from you, Josh. Uh, we had a, uh, an opportunity, um, and this happened to be in Kansas City at a, at a, at a meatpacking plant where they had a really busy intersection. And this intersection was probably, I don't know, 30 feet by 30 feet. And it was a hallway coming from the, the north side, let's say. East and west were a couple of high-speed doors. On the south side, there was a couple of high-speed doors coming from that one direction. It was just a really unique um, trouble area with a lot of traffic, a lot of things going on where they wanted a solution, but it had to be in a kind of a washdown type area. Now, it wasn't full washdown, but they wanted a solution. How can we warn people what's going on? How can we let people know that there's traffic coming from different ways? So what we were able to do is we were able to take, uh, we used uh, four, I think we used four Falcons tied into a power supply, used some linear banner lights. I, I used a, a WLS 27 light. That's a full washdown type light from Banner again. Banner's local to Minneapolis. Why I use them guys. I got their ear a lot. Um, Same here. <laughs> yeah. Agree. So, so, so really like the Banner product. Use some of their lights in conjunction with some BA Falcons. And we utilized a small PLC. And we were doing inputs and outputs. And something I always do when I talk about these systems, I always build versatility into them, right? So with the PLC, I always have the ability to change things. My banner lights have five different colors that I can utilize right out of the box. So we can always change something. You're not stuck. You know, we're pretty smart people and we can figure out a lot of stuff, but you always have an out customer. If you don't like it, we can change it. You're not costing any more money to change something. Um, we did it where if you see one Falcon, it turns their light yellow and all the other lights yellow. Okay. Um, 
I don't remember. I don't think the customer wanted green because I mean, there's certainly an option to have green. Green is gold. They didn't want to say that. They just wanted to warn people. But if we had um, two or more falcons getting tripped at the same time, we were able to um, turn the lights to red to say, hey, there's another vehicle coming from a different direction. So we we're warning people there's a vehicle in the area as they're approaching it. When they get into it, it turns them both red. Now with the PLC, I had the the ability, because I know I needed to have at least probably 15 seconds of lag time. So I built that in, but I told the customer, I'm gonna make this easy for you. I'm gonna build 15 seconds in, but if you wanna add some time, that's where you can do it locally with your remote control from your device. So you're not getting out your ladder, trying to mess with the PLC, having right. to email you a new program, things like that. So uh, that was an interesting project. And, and uh, when you do these custom projects, there's a lot of margin in this for people too. I mean, not everybody can do this kind of stuff. So um, it, it's real profitable for us. I like sure, doing sure. them. We like trying to figure it out. Um, and PLCs, even though they're, they're not expensive nowadays, um, you can get a, a decent margin on that product because of the low price point. So. Great. Jim, you, you mentioned something that, that's sparked a question here. You mentioned the uh, handheld remote control. Would you ever send you guys out in the field without the handheld remote control? And I think you pretty much said because you don't have to get up on a ladder or a lift or maybe it's 20 feet in the air. What about, think about, what about the owners of that product or the, the your customers? Do you give them the handheld remote to make uh, adjustments on, on these types of sensors? It uh, depends who it is. It really depends Understand. on who it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, if it's a maintenance type guy, I will. Um, typically, I just say, you know what, we want FaceTime with you anyway. Just call us. We'll send one of our. Um, so I'm the service manager, but I have five sales guys that work for me that just sell service. Mm -hmm. So I always have those guys running around. I'll say, go stop in, see your customer, adjust it for them, take care of it. Um, the other time I, I really use the remote is that if I have a critical door and I might just put it in a panel, sell them one, put it in a panel. So it gets me out of a jam. So I don't have to go there at four o'clock on a Friday. I can just say, hey, grab that remote in the control box and do it. So I kind of pick and choose who I do it for. And then I don't tell them too much. I just tell them, you get the remote, you just call me and I'll talk you through it. And, and you know, as well as I do, Jeff, that unless you're doing it all day, every day, you're not going to retain it anyway. So it kind of forces a phone call. The only time that I've had problems is when we've given it to auto dealers and they have a problem and they go out there and start messing with it. And yeah, so we're pretty good about writing down how we set it up originally. So when we go out there, we can get it back to where it's supposed to be. So that's so. great. So in those instances where they think you think they might have messed it up, you got the, I uh, always set it back to factory default, you know, that unlock magic wand nine or something yes. uh, that would reset it. So that's, that gives you a, a baseline where to start with your, your adjustments. So Josh, you have any questions? Or to Jim, Jim, is there when you're, and I think it does play to some of the applications that you do. Um, what kind of objects are you finding cause interference to the microwave sensors. And, and I know we've worked through a couple of these, uh, you know, uh, help you out a little bit with uh, vibration from uh, overhead fans or even heaters next to the doors. Um, to tell you the truth, I don't, I don't have it very often. Um, I've, I've had it a couple times. Um, I don't have it very, I've, I've had it, a couple times, maybe at a dealership with uh, the Wi-Fi 
thing I've had an issue with before, the Wi-Fi extenders. I've had that where I, it took me forever to figure it out because I just don't have them very often. Uh, but until I uh, took it down and relocated, I kind of fig- put two and two together to figure out exactly what it was. But uh, I really don't have that, that problem too often, to tell you the truth, Josh, with, with that. Good. <laughs> um, something I might want to add, too, and I don't know if you want me to talk about it, Jeff, but um, um, I have a unique way uh, of thinking about the device. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but this is how I educate my guys. And I know Mark Bouchard and I kind of think the same way in this regard. But um, when I talk to my techs that are going out there, we, we like to talk about the, the shaky box and the ramp icon is what we call it. I don't know the technical terms, but that's what we call it. And the way I always tell my guys, I go, if you wanted to pick up people, it's a one or a two on a shaky box. And you always do the shaky box first. I consider that kind of the course adjustment. Okay. And then I use the ramp as the fine adjustments, kind of the way I think about it as I'm doing it. And um, when I'm setting up a device, um, whether it's a, it's a, it's a reset up or initial setup, number one's always the angle. You know, I see a lot of people where they have it pointing straight down, got to be at least a 15. And depending on the application, I like to go more if possible. Um, I always try to get as much angle as I can, you know, without going past a 45. I don't like it to be pointing straight down or um, ideally, I guess, is a, is a 30 degree in my, in my opinion. Um, then I tell the guys, if it's a car dealership, for instance, and you want to just pick up cars, we're going to do a three or a four. And then what I always tell the guys is you want to be um, on a car dealership. You don't want them to hit a door. So let's start with a three, right? And then the most important thing that I think people forget is I see it all the time with our installers too. They just put up a device and they leave. You know, they just put it up. They don't, they don't know that. It's not their job to do that. But they put up the device and they leave and it's the factory default, which I believe is a one and a seven. So it kind of picks up everything, which I get. If it's, they just want to pick up cars, we'll start at a three. And I'll probably go a three and a four would maybe be a good starting point. And then most importantly, you have to stand there and watch traffic and just see what's going on. There's no other good way to do it. It's just watch their operation. People like to just change it and, and, and move on to the next thing. Spend a little bit of time because that little bit of time that you spend there, you're doing a better service for your customer, number one. But number two, it saves you that trip back. Um, and then I always tell the guys, if you're getting you know, that three and a four and you're trying to reject stuff and you're going pretty low with that number, well, okay, now it's time to go to a four. I don't like to be at a, at a three and a one and a three and a nine. If it's a, if it's a three and a one and a three and a nine, well, we should be at a four. And we should go um, and fine tune it that way. What works really good for me with car dealerships, what I experience in, in my world up here in Minnesota, um, a four and a four, a four and a seven is, is real typical to where I set them for dealerships. Some people got to remember too is um, like, like the Rytec product, I'm, I'm sure people know what the spiral door is. We sell a ton of them. It's probably our number one door here at Star. Um, it's a clear door. It's customers driving through, not people that are used to doors. That makes a huge difference. Is it, is, it a, is it a customer or is it someone that drives through the door all day, every day? That's a huge deal. And when you have um, a car dealership, they're always busy places. They got this fancy door that you can see through. You can see activity inside there. You're driving up kind of slow. The door flies open. There's activity inside. People have a tendency to get a little nervous and they slow down when they get nervous. <laughs> I get nervous because I don't want to hit, hit the door. 
but that's always a challenging thing, you know, and you're always kind of hurry up and get to that photo eye lady, hurry up and get to that photo eye, don't hit the door, you know? So um, I like to watch traffic a lot and just, we want them to, to work every time, not do false trips, but need to be a safe device for, uh, for everybody. Sure. And those two things you're describing, Jim, are the, the two most common things that we have to deal with as well from the manufacturing standpoint, the shaky box or the detection filter, the rejection mode, those are all one and the same household terms. And that's the filtering that that's going to discriminate or reject a pedestrian and then allow the vehicle. And then the the ramp or the wedge, uh, the sensitivity, that's just the sensitivity of the product. And, you know, the higher the number, the more sensitive it is, the lower the number, the less sensitive it is. So coupling those two, it's a balance sometimes, like you said, maybe a three and a four or a four and a four on the, those settings, but you gotta, you gotta watch the traffic and before you're confident that that's what you want uh, for your activation device uh, for the vehicle. So. Something Excellent point. Always, yeah, we deal with the exact same same uh, issues of the two most common uh, discussions. And then you mentioned something about the the hold time. We you know like starts that countdown timer if the sensor drops you or doesn't detect you because remember it's a motion sensor. It's meant to detect motion. And like the instructor or the user manual says, uh, two seconds minimum in the center of the, of the sensor there. So it's pretty slow foot traffic, but vehicles aren't going to be moving that slow. So, but right. if they do move slow enough, the sensor will drop you and then start that countdown timer uh, on the sensor. And then the relay status will change when it expires. I think it's very important to understand the device and how that works and get in your head how it works. And then it doesn't take very long after you understand it to play with it and watch traffic and, and change a few things and just be, just be careful that, you know, you don't want them hitting doors. You don't change it very much. But one thing I always tell customers too, is any of these devices, there's so many things that play into it, mounting height, angle, where do you have the settings at, whether it's a shaky box or the ramp. Um, those things are, are very important to understand. Um, but uh, one thing I can say, and I, and I tell customers this all the time, we need to get it set up correctly for you. And it might take some trial and error to get it to that point. But once it's set up to that point, it's a very consistent device. It's consistent. It's just getting to that point where you need it. Sure. You, you mentioned something while ago also about kind of a, a learning curve. I, I, I'm, I'm interpreting that that's for your customers to, you need to teach them how the product works and how it operates. You have difficulties or some customers just, don't have a clue or maybe they don't want to know and some really want to know you have any anything to speak on that from the, in the experience um I, I guess the biggest thing is is uh know your know your uh know your customer going through the door meaning it's a definitely a different um setting that i'll do where the customers are dropping off their cars and driving through the doors that's the that's a really weird dynamic that uh, is a tougher one. And then you're, we, we typically have the doors in the back where the service technicians are driving through and, and they're a little different. You know, they're driving through the doors all the time. They're aware of them. They know what's going on. They have a tendency to approach the door faster. Um, you might want to make it a little bit uh, more sensitive because uh, in Minnesota it's icy and they're pulling up fast, not paying attention. You know, they're driving up to the door fast and it's icy and we need to pick them up because we don't need them to hit a door. Gotcha. Okay. 
Gotcha. I, I did want to take a moment and, and actually help toot Jim's horn, if you will, uh, especially in in the in you know, he he touched on it with the lights. Jim, being located in Minnesota, um, has no problem and is exceptional at helping BEA across the entire country. I know he's worked with different territories and different territory reps from California um, to different areas that I cover uh, over on the East Coast. Um, just honestly, one of the best guys to even kind of cross companies with. And uh, he, he mentioned that job in Kansas City. And I, I do want to tell you, quite frankly, I, I was probably a competitor of Jim's, uh, but I, I married the, the, the two up and Jim helped them out uh, out of a terrible bind. And that system was much needed for, for that application. So uh, just again, kudos to you, Jim. I appreciate, you know, all, all your willingness to help outside of, you know, the box that you, you work in. Well, and something I always tell, tell everybody. So of course I didn't install the one in Kansas city. I just did the behind the scenes stuff for the other dealer. Right, and I did right. not, I did not sell the Falcons. So I am not, I am willing to help anybody. We want to grow this segment of our business for this custom stuff. We think this is a way of the future. Um, most importantly, I will never get between BEA and your customers and your product. That's not my job to be selling them Falcons and lasers and wide scans. And no, I'm, I'll recommend the products, but that's not my gig. I want the control side. I want the power supply that I will build. I, whenever I build a power supply, I do it. Um, I do a legend in the back of my panels where I tell people where to land the wires. So I will help people with the integration. I will tell them where to land the wires. I'll make it a professional um, power supply where you can hook up the wires wherever. So I'm willing to help people. I just want the control side of things. I want the PLCs and the thing. But then I'll tell you, here's what I'm going to do. You buy the wide scan or the motion sensor or whatever you want to buy or whatever we think working together is best for the application. You guys sell that. You guys do that. I'm not going to try to sell you a device that you guys can already get. I want to help with the other stuff. So I'm always willing to help anybody and generate some relationships and, and, and make some money together. And um, for us, we do at least probably at least two custom systems a week. Now we're just uh, it's gangbusters now with safety and, and it's amazing what you can do. And I've got, I'm not the best with my videos, um, but I do have some things out there and I do have enough to, to get people the idea, but every application is definitely custom and specific there. I don't think I've ever done two alike. There's a lot going in there, but I use them on overhead doors. I use them on rolling steel doors. I use them on, um, I know uh, Mark and I went and did some things with some gate arms. You know, I've done, I've done some of the devices on the spikes at the airport where it pops the tires, you know, things like that. So we can get really unique with some of this stuff. So if there's anybody listening that um, maybe has a need or doesn't know which direction to go, I can be the guy to help. Uh, fantastic, Jim. I appreciate that. Uh, Jim, do you have uh, any, any advice on uh, the question is, does your approach differ when it's a forklift or pallet jack? Um. Well, if we're saying a microwave, <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big laser. Well, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but um, the way I sell these products too is, is I don't maybe go in with uh, any information. I kind of go in, I always go and look and have a conversation with the customer. And I say, 
I don't talk about the money. I talk about what's best for the application. What, what are you looking for? What do you want it to do? What do you not want it to do? And we talk about the devices. And I think this is the best device based on my visit here and what you want to happen, customer. This is what I think you should do. And here's your options, right? So we say we can do this. It's not going to perform as well. And I usually get what I want by selling it that way. And a big thing um, for us, and I know, Josh, you've heard my little spiel here at Star Equipment, but um, doors are usually really safe right at the threshold, right? At the threshold, you got some photo eyes, you got to reverse it. They're usually pretty safe there. Unfortunately, usually that's too late. By the time you get to that safety, you've already hit the door. So we talk really heavily on how do we get lights as indicators uh, to tell people what the door is doing because you really can't see that timer as you're driving that forklift or that pallet jack. But how do we get that safety away from the threshold? That's the, that's the main thing, I think, when we start talking sensors and, and doors, we're always talking safety away from the threshold. And when people can see it, it's a no brainer. They all want it. Thank you, everybody. You guys. Thank Thanks. you, Jim. Thank you for tuning in to Making Sense of Automation. We hope you found the discussion interesting. All episodes of Making Sense of Automation are available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. BEA hosts a live Making Sense of Automation webinar every month. Visit BEAsensors.com for more information on the program and how to register. Have a great day.